DiscerningHearts.com presents Fountains of Grace, Reflections on Contemporary Spiritual Classics with Donna Garrett. In this particular series of episodes, Donna discusses with Father James Perez The Way of Trust and Love, a retreat guided by St. Therese, written by Father Jacques Philippe. John Paul II has said, The little way is the way of spiritual childhood. This way contains something unique that is a part of the genius of St. Therese of Lisieux. At the same time, it holds a confirmation and a renewal of the most fundamental and universal truth. For what truth of the gospel message is more fundamental and universal than this? That God is our Father and we are His children. We now begin Fountains of Grace with Donna Garrett. Whatever our personal limitations and situations, we can all love right where we are. In the kitchen, in the bathroom, in the office, makes no difference. What the church needs most is genuine love. We attach too much importance to external actions and visible effectiveness. Whereas all that counts, all that really bears fruit in the church, is the truth and purity and sincerity of love. That is what we should ask God for most of all and put it into practice. So, Father, I wanted to talk about, she expresses a desire to one of her sisters um, regarding how much she loves Jesus. And her sister writes back that she's sad because she didn't ever envision herself being able to love God in the same way. And I thought that Therese would want us to understand here that she knew that God was not pleased with her because of her piety, but because of her blind trust in him. And this is what unfailingly makes us pleasing to God and draws his grace down upon our our souls. And I was thinking of a time in my own life when someone else's piety intimidated me, when I witnessed their devotion um, in the Mass. And I, I kind of had that temptation to look at my own expression and love of Christ and think that it would never be that beautiful or that pure. And it took me a long time to understand that it's never going to look that way because I'm not that person. So the way that I love Jesus will never be the same as somebody else loves Jesus. So I thought we might talk a little bit about that in terms of our temptation to be intimidated by somebody else's piety, but also sometimes our temptation to judge ourselves more pious than we really are. I think first we have to remember the invitation of Christ in the Gospel. It says, be perfect as my Heavenly Father is perfect. Sometimes when we read that, we say, well, that's impossible. How can we be perfect as God is perfect? But we have to, I think that we have to remember that what God, Christ is asking of us, is saying, look, just as God, who in his divine nature is perfect, you, in your human nature, be perfect. So, yes, with your limitations, with your challenges, with your difficulties, but the person that I have made you, in that sense, be perfect. So, it's something that is, uh, Mother Teresa said this very, very clearly, says, holiness is the simple duty for each one of us. It's a simple duty. It's something that God has called us to because He has made us out of love and He always wants us to love. So this is very, very simple. If we, if we think about it, it's very simple to be holy. 
But the problem, as you say, that we start comparing. Oh, that person is more holy than I am, or there's no way I can achieve that uh, holiness as that other person. So there is that comparison. And, and this is a great obstacle in the, in, in the path to holiness because uh, our only path is to keep our eyes fixed on Christ. If we start comparing with other people, then we lose that focus on who Christ is and what he's asking of us. I am sure that if we ask St. Therese of Lisieux, if we ask St. Francis Savior, if we ask St. Francis of Assisi, oh, I want to be like you, or I will never be able to be as holy as you, they will say, no, it's not about me. You have to be like Christ. So our, uh, our end is to be like Christ. St. Therese of Lisieux, St. Francis of Assisi, St. Francis Savior, St. John of the Cross, all the saints throughout history, they wanted to be like Christ. And you and I, we have to be, we have been called to be like Christ. So when we start comparing, I think it's a great temptation that the enemy of our souls places in our path to try to compare to the different people around us and to take our eyes from Christ. So it's the simplicity, the simplicity of looking at Christ, knowing that he has made me the way I am with my limitations, but I, with those limitations to place them in his heavenly, uh, in his hands, in his paternal embrace, and knowing that this is the way I am, but I want to be like him. You know, And I think that's a, um, if we see holiness in that way, it brings us more hope and uh, the determination that we can do it. A very small child never doubts his father's love, but trusts him absolutely. Small children are astonishing in this trust of theirs. A father can stand his small son on a table, move back and tell the little boy to jump, and the child will jump. He won't stop to wonder whether his father will catch him or let him fall. Such thoughts don't trouble him for an instant. This unlimited trust in God's goodness and faithfulness lies at the heart of the path of holiness. Conversely, in one of her letters, Therese says that what hurts God most, our most serious failings in this regard, is our lack of trust. What offends Jesus, what wounds his heart, is lack of trust. God does not expect us to be absolutely perfect. That will come little by little. But that we give him our trust, trust that has to be total. And I thought that one of the areas I see the people that um, I meet on a daily basis struggling with is this fact that they have lost sight of God as our Father. And Jesus himself tried to help us when he spoke of his Father as Abba. And I thought maybe we could take some time to talk about why it's so hard for us to look at God as our Father and to trust him to catch us every time we take that leap. I think this is one of the greatest jobs, the, the enemy of our souls, the devil, has made, has done a tremendous job in making sure that we doubt God as our Father. And the implications of this are devastating. Why? Because Christ revealed God as a Father. I mean, when we read especially the Gospel of John in the, during that beautiful discourse at the Last Supper, you know, if you know me, 
then you will also know the Father. I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I in you. I mean, there is a beautiful relationship of love between Christ, between the Father, and me. So, the, the, if I lose sight of who God is as my Father, then that relationship of love is lost. So, and that's exactly what the devil wants. And just think about this, the implications of not having God as a Father. Then the Our Father the prayer, the beautiful prayer that Christ taught us, loses its meaning. And therefore, eh, I feel I'm protected. And then I lose that hope and that confidence that knowing that I have a Father who loves me. Then I don't find in those moments that I have sinned, then I don't have a Father who embraces me, who puts sandals in my feet and a ring in my finger, who puts a fist for me because I have come back to him. Then I lose that strength to overcome temptations. I mean, the implications are are devastating, and that's exactly what the devil wants. And uh, we uh, we know that in today's society, um, the image of the father has been lost, and that's the work uh, the work of the enemy of our souls. But even if I know that maybe. Um, some have um, have had the the experience of not having a maybe a loving father, a, an earthly loving father, and that experience obviously is uh, it, it deep it is a great wound in the heart, and sometimes that creates a, an image of God as a father that is uh, detrimental. But we cannot doubt in the spiritual life. We have, even if we have experienced this in our own lives, we have to go and remember that we have someone who loves me infinitely. That even though I have been um, deprived from the love of a part of, of a father, an earthly father, I will never, never uh, be deprived of a love of a father in heaven. And that's something that has to spiritually has to give me strength, has to give me courage, and uh, and has to give me the, the 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 strength that I need to continue on in my life. I was thinking this morning as I was preparing for um, this discussion about the first few moments after my first child's birth, my uh, oldest daughter, and I remember when they handed her to my husband. And he took her in his arms, and he looks down at her, and he's got tears running down his face, and he's like, I love you so much. And it just, it hit me that, that, that I would remember that then. Because sometimes we forget that that is the way that God looks at us. And just as my husband looked at this little six-pound, four-ounce girl and loved everything about her, and yet he knew nothing about her yet except that she was flesh of his flesh. But he loved her potential. He loved everything she would be for the rest of her life. And that is the way that God is for us. I mean, he looks at us and he loves us, all of us, the way we are today and the way we'll be tomorrow. And nothing we can do will actually change. Actually, you said that you reflected on that this morning. Actually, in, the, in my meditation this morning, I was reflecting on uh, chapter 40, 43 of uh, the prophet Isaiah. 
And he says, But now does the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and formed you, O Israel. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. So it is God, my Father, who creates me, who has formed me, who has redeemed, redeemed me, and who has called me by name. I mean, I am, I am, yes. And then verse 4, which I love. Because you are precious in my eyes, and glorious, and because I love you. So here we have a father who has given himself totally to us. He has given us everything that we are, and he has everything. So therefore, he even has given us a name. He has given, and we are precious in his eyes. There's no way he can abandon us. Imagine if we lose sight of this, of this father. I mean, we lose everything. So, and, and the devil knows this. And that's why there is that great temptation, and he's putting a lot of effort to damage the image of God as a father in our own lives. At least in my own personal prayer, it helps me remember that that love that a father has for his newborn child and that love that God expresses for us in the scriptures is not because of what we do. It's not how we look. It's not the choices we make. It's not the career paths we have. It's simply because we are his children. I mean, his love is, that's the unconditionalness of it. It's not about us. It's about him in us. Exactly. He has created us because he loves. We, in one sense, we can say we are part of his love. So it doesn't, doesn't matter how we look. It doesn't matter if we have deficiencies. It doesn't matter the challenges that we have. We are part of his love. So... That's why we can never, and that's the beautiful words, I think we mentioned it before, of St. Paul. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Nothing. Nothing. Because we have been made by him. We belong to him. We are his. And he loves us infinitely. A memoir of my sister, St. Therese. I know that the Lord is infinitely just. And it is that justice which terrifies so many souls. That is the reason for my joy and trust. Being just doesn't only mean exercising severity to punish the guilty. It also means recognizing upright intentions and rewarding virtue. I hope for us as much as from God's justice as from his mercy. It is because he is just that he is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. For he knows our weakness, and he remembers that we are dust. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities us. So Father Philippe says that God is not scandalized by our weaknesses, provided that he finds in us goodwill and trust, and we can be certain of pleasing him. As I meditate on this text, I really thought about the balance of justice and love, and that face-to-face -face with truth, it's not so much God punishing us as it is us realizing that we portrayed his love. So um, I thought that, I thought Father uh, Philippe did a really good job talking about 
how we have a privileged access to God as Father through prayer. And he talks about some concrete ideas we can put into practice to cultivate this privilege. And he mentioned scripture, which we've spoken about. He talks about making acts of faith and discovering the true face of God. And then he says, our secret weapon, the Blessed Virgin. So I thought we might be able to talk about these. Well, as you mentioned, we already spoke uh, about sacred scripture. Uh, And then making acts of faith really is making an act of faith is seeing the hand of God's providence in everything that I do and everything that happens in my life. That's an act of faith. And this is very, uh, it's a beautiful um, habit that I could form throughout the day. Seeing, and, and we spoke about how during our conscious exams th- throughout the day, is seeing how God's action has been part of my day. How he has seen, seen his providence, his fa- uh, fatherly love manifested throughout the day. So the act of faith is saying, Father, I believe. Father, I know that you are here. It is calling God Father. You know, that's, that's kind of an act of, a beautiful act of faith. We know, like in the Gospel, uh, St. Thomas, uh, my, uh, my Lord and my God. And that's the most beautiful act of faith that is even written in the Gospel. My Lord and my God. How we can do that throughout the day. And, and that's a beautiful tradition that we can do every day. I know that when I was a novice, our instructor of novices uh, used to tell us that every time we do a genuflection, we should say, Lord, I believe in you. And and that's something that, you know, I remember that very well, and I do that every time I genuflect. And then we have discovering the true face of God. This is so, so profound. Because I think that we there are three places, uh, obviously there are many more, but I think there are three places where we can really discover the face of, of God. First of all, is in the crucifix. Because in the crucifix, we see a God who has loved us to the end, who has given his life for me. We, I think, have gotten used to the crucifix. Um, we have it maybe around our necks. We have it in the, in, our, in the house. We see it at church. And maybe we have gotten used to seeing a man nailed to a cross. But do we realize that that man is God? And that he is nailed to that cross. He is nailed, maybe meaning that he cannot come down from that cross. He doesn't want to come down to that, from that cross because he is there to remind us how much he loves us. He is there to remind us that He is there in, so to give meaning to our suffering. He is there to remind us that it doesn't matter if we are abandoned, if we are betrayed. He is there to tell us, I am here and I love you and I have given my life for you. So, looking at Christ on the cross is really finding the face of God, the face of God's love. Then, obviously, we have the Eucharist. The Eucharist is, uh, for the Christian, is the summit, right, of our Christian life. So, there also we find the true face of Christ, of God. Because not only Christ died for us on the cross, but he wanted to remain with us. So, there in the Eucharist, we find 
our God. I mean, this is, if we really come to understand and believe this in our own lives, it will be transforming. Why? Because who is in the Eucharist? God. Who is God? Love. So every time I receive the Eucharist, who do I receive? I receive love. And therefore, it gives me the strength and the courage that I need throughout the day to live my Christian life. So it is very important for us to come to understand the beauty, the beauty of the Eucharist. Um, And if we have the chance uh, to go even more frequently to receive our Lord in the Eucharist, take advantage of it. And then we have the, uh, the third way to discover the true face of God, I think, is our neighbor. We need to discover the face of God in those around us. In your spouse, in your children, in your co-workers, in the mailman, in the car register, in every single person. Because they are an image of God. And I think this is something very, very important in our own lives. To discover the face of Christ, the face of God in those around me. Love one another as I have loved you. So, and then we have the secret weapon, which is the Blessed Mother. The Blessed Mother is there to bring us always closer and closer to Christ. She brings, if we go to the Blessed Mother, she will always, always bring us, bring us to Christ. I remember once I was working in a school, and we have uh, a lady who was taking care of the flowers. So, Um, She prepared the flowers and she put the flower arrangement in the statue of the Blessed Mother. And then she was preparing the flower arrangement for the altar. But the flower arrangement for the statue of Our Lady kept falling down. So she used to go there and put it back again and and, and work in the other one and and fell down again. And she just couldn't understand why. And then she realized, oh, I know what's happening. So... She finished first the the one for the Blessed Sacrament, for the altar, and she put it underneath the altar for the Blessed Sacrament. And then she went to the Blessed Mother and put it straight and stayed there. It's kind of the Blessed Mother was saying, no, you first take care of my son, and then you can take care of me. In the sense that is the Blessed Mother always brings us closer and closer to our Lord. Today, more than ever, God wants to reveal himself to our hearts. Simply, gently, in the darkness of faith, but in a very profound way, so that each of us can achieve a real knowledge of his being. In the 16th century, St. John of the Cross said, The Lord has always revealed the treasures of his wisdom and his spirit to mortals, but now that evil is showing its face more, God reveals them to us still more fully. So, Father James, I have no doubt that Satan's active. And I think we would be remiss if we didn't acknowledge that, that there is this desire for him to corrupt souls. And you've spoken about his temptation to detract us from our love and acknowledgement of God as our Father. But I also think there's a danger here that we can allow ourselves to become so anxious that we stop trusting in God's providence. Yes, the devil is extremely, extremely active. But we should never forget 
Takat's love is infinitely more powerful. So, because sometimes we can put a lot of emphasis, especially when we look around, you know, all that is has happening in the world around us, and, and we say, "Wow, the devil is extremely active." But also, I think sometimes that could also be a temptation to forget the power of God's love. The, the, the devil's job is to separate us from God's love. And he does that by tempting us constantly. He tempts us to separate us from God's love. But we have to remember it's up to us to, to accept that temptation or not. God has given us a freedom and therefore it's our choice to accept that temptation or not. So imagine, imagine if each one of us became instruments of God's love every day. Instead of uh, falling into those temptations that the devil presents to us every day, if we become instruments of God's love, then that will be transforming. And we don't have to do, sometimes we can think, oh, uh, we can do great things. No, start, start with your family. You know, There's always temptations of impatience. Thinking, oh, there's no way I can change my teenager. Oh, I am so impatient with my husband. Well, be an instrument of God's love. And by, by transforming those occasions into occasions to love more, then you are becoming an instrument of God's love. And that, I think, then we will see the world around us with different eyes. Father Philippe says something that I thought was great importance when he's talking about being realistic and clear about the present state of the world. And he says what the church needs most is prayer, especially adoration. And he stresses the need for us to make time for heart-to-heart conversation with God. And he also stresses that God does not ask everyone for the same thing. But everyone does need a minimum of faithfulness in prayer, and he speaks about establishing a rhythm. So we've talked about scripture, we've talked about confession, we've talked about exam, and we've talked a little bit about prayer. So let's talk about adoration. Adoration to this Blessed Sacrament is is a moment when you contemplate the love of God. When you just go in front of of the Eucharist and you just um, you can open your heart to the person that you know loves you infinitely so I'm sure you all those of us who have experienced that when you go into the adoration chapel and uh, you as soon as you open that door you feel peace it's the peace that Christ gives because you come to realize that you are accepted the way you are, that you you kind of feel that it, it, you have someone there. You are in the presence of someone that knows you so intimately that you don't even have to say anything. You just have to be there, and that's exactly uh, why adoration is such a beautiful and powerful moment. Remember that beautiful example that uh, Saint John Vianney gave us when he found that uh, parishioner that used to come every day to the chapel. And there he was, but he was not saying anything. He was not, you couldn't see that he was moving his lips, nothing. So he came to him uh, after several days and asked him, well, what are you doing? I said, I'm praying. 
I said, but I don't see you doing anything. I said, well, I don't have to. I just look at him and he looks at me. That is a beautiful adoration. Sometimes we think that we have to do, bring my novena books or pray my rosaries or, or do a spiritual reading in front. No, sometimes the most, thing, the most beautiful thing that we can do in adoration is just to be there, to be with Christ. It's kind of the same thing that Peter uh, felt in the transfiguration. How wonderful it is to be here. No, and that's the experience that we need to have, to be just in the presence, to the presence of God. It's to feel that what Moses felt when he was in front of that burning bush. He was amazed. He was curious. He wanted to, to see what was happening, go inside of the mystery. But in order to go inside the mystery, he had to take out his sandals. So in one sense too, when we go to adoration, even before we enter uh, the adoration chapel, we had to leave behind in the, uh, in the entrance, leave our sandals. Spiritually, the sandals means we have to leave behind our pride. We have to leave, leave behind our, our laziness, leave them there and go into the presence of Christ. And when we feel that, it is very transforming. I think in um, St. Therese's autobiography, she talks about this knowledge of just being enfolded in the love of God during adoration, so much so that sometimes she would fall asleep in, in adoration. And not because she was lazy, but because she was so confident and relaxed being in the arms of her father. And I think that you mentioned, you know, it's wonderful to have prayer books. It's wonderful to have meditation books that lead us into a deeper conversation with God. But our whole time in adoration should not be spent us talking to God. It needs to be us listening to God. Exactly. We need to allow God to love us. Remember that what prayer, what prayer is. Prayer is not what I do but what God does in us. So therefore, we need to give in that time. Sometimes if we just go and we just talk, 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 and God is looking at us and saying, what about me? I have a lot of things to tell you. I want to love you. So therefore, we need just sometimes to just be there, be there. And it's, the, it's that experience of God's presence um, that is, is very powerful in our own spiritual life. You've been listening to Fountains of Grace, Reflections on Contemporary Spiritual Classics with Donna Garrett. In this particular series of episodes, Donna has been joined by Father James Perez discussing The Way of Trust and Love, a retreat guided by Father Jacques Philippe. To hear and or to download this episode along with many others, go to discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of discerninghearts.com. Join us next time for Fountains of Grace, Reflections on Contemporary Spiritual Classics with Donna Garrett.